Hello, and welcome to another Meta Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine, featuring interesting, inspiring, educational, and entertaining stories, discussions, and interviews of purpose, with purpose, on purpose. Hello, everybody. This is J.W. Natarian, and I'm here today with Chet Holmes. How are you doing, Chet? I'm doing good, J.W. Hey, well, thanks for coming on with me today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Listen, I know, you're, you know you've been under the weather. You've had some health issues, so I really do appreciate the time you're giving me today. And we have a few things to go over, so I'll just jump into it. Uh, for those who don't know Chet Holmes, and uh, you, if you listen to AM radio at all, you probably have heard his name at least once, Chet Holmes. He worked for billionaire Charlie Munger, that's uh, Warren Buffett's partner, where he doubled the sales of nine divisions of the company, including magazines, newspapers, and trade shows. Um, Chet's worked with uh, 60 global 500 uh, clients, including Amex, SD Lauder, Citibank. He's a best-selling author, uh, karate master, feature film producer. Um, he has 78 products selling in over 100 com- uh, countries. Uh, Chet's book, Ultimate Sales Machine, has been one of the top five sales books on Amazon for five years now. Um, he has been a CEO of 12 different companies and partners now with uh, Tony Robbins uh, with Business business Breakthroughs. And uh, let's see, you, um, I think you've, uh, you've been the number one top producer of every position you held, never, never number two, it says here, which is, this is, this is a pretty astounding uh, resume here, Chet. Thank you. It's been a wild ride. It's been a wild ride. Well, let, let's just start out with who Chet Holmes is. Where, where, where did you start out, Chet? I mean, you know, for do, you, obviously you did all this great stuff, but, you know, where were you born? Where did you go to school? Where did you start out? Um, I was born in the Bronx, and uh, my father was a Marine combat instructor, uh, hence all the karate background. And uh, my mother was a concert pianist, a singer, an artist, uh, like two total opposite sides of the coin. <laughs> he had no refinement, no uh, talent artistically. It was not an articulate person, was not charming or personable, was very mm-hmm. strict and disciplined. And she was extremely charming and good at everything. There was nothing oh she was not good at. I mean, nothing. It was like, this is a woman who could, well, when she was 40 years old, she went out and got a book on belly dancing and got so good at it from the book. She opened a school. So then wow. she, you know named it, designed the logo, branded it, went out to uh, clubs and handed out, you know, and started a belly dancing school, you know. So she was very clever, and, of course, you know, I was very fortunate in that she spent time um, passing some of that on to me. And then you mix that with the fact that my father was this harsh uh, disciplinarian, and, you know, I had this huge karate background, so... Mm -hmm. You know, between the two, between the discipline that I got from him and the creativity that I got from her, I was pretty lucky, I think, in terms of, you know. And where did you lean? What was what, what, harder for you, being creative or being disciplined? Well, they, they, are, they go together. I'm a mm-hmm. type A personality. I work very hard. I can't help but work. I'm one of those guys that can't just sit by the pool and relax. Never happened. You know, I got to be doing something productive. Um, so that's kind of a drag because you know I kind of like if I if I don't have something to do that's planned activity, I will just work. I'll go to my computer and I'll just work. So right. I just got into to boating, not just, but in the last five years I got into boating because I you know all my hobbies have become businesses. I you know I was into music as a young kid, and now you know my daughter became a singer and. You know, so then I became producer of her albums, and right. then I produced a uh, a play. I sold a movie to Warner Brothers that has a has some of my songs in it. So my music became a business. You know, I love to write. Um, so you know, then it became a best-selling office, and then the writing became a business. So all my hobbies became businesses, which I guess is good. You know what I mean? But um, mm-hmm. you know, but of course, you know, you, they go hand in hand. If you're a highly disciplined person. And then you have this creative streak, you know, you end up putting out a lot of stuff, which is what I've done. Right. I've written, I don't know, 20 So, so tell me, how do you plays. go from, I know, there's a lot of type A personalities in the world and some, a lot of people that work real hard, but so how do you end up with Charlie Munger? Uh, I had a top producer in advertising sales in a magazine in New York City, 
Mm-hmm. And he bought a magazine in the same industry, and I got recruited to the magazine. So and you pretty much did it uh, from the bottom up, proving yourself the whole. No, way? no, no. I was I was drafted as the uh, general manager of the magazine, and then oh, got okay. promoted to publisher. But um, but that actually leads to one of the concepts we're going to talk about today, uh, because that was a that was a tremendous success story, and it's a great example for people. We were supposed to talk about two ways of double sales today. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. I'm glad you segued right into that because we we have we we want to find out who you are and how you got there, but we also want to uh, give some give give something back to the listeners. And you're going to uh, take some of that great knowledge you have and hand it back to us, and by giving us the two ways to double sales. So I really appreciate. It. Yeah. So the first way is a concept we call it's called best buyer strategy. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah. So I got I take over this magazine. And uh, they have a database of about 2,200 advertisers. Mm-hmm. And um, I do an analysis. We are number 15 in the market. We have 2% of market share. Um, the top four books have 95% of market share. So, I mean, you know, we had scraps from the table. And that 95% of market share in the top four publications in the industry was 167 advertisers. So, we, mm-hmm. you know, before I got there, they'd take that 2,200 and they would um, blitz the whole 2,200 every month. This, excuse me, this month we're talking about, you know, we're, we're going to have articles on cars. So if you have anything related to cars, tires, wheels, you know, parts of cars, whole cars, you should advertise them this month. Next month we're going to talk about computers. So if you have technology stuff that you're selling, and they would send out these things, and you get small advertisers who would take a quarter page or a half page or, you know, occasionally you're not going to get like, um, you know, IBM is not going to take this promo and go, ooh, you know, let's break the media plan that we set up a year ago and suddenly take one page in this magazine that's running this thing. And they, you know, they would chase those kind of accounts, but to get a mm-hmm. big account like that is not easy. You know, it's hard. And especially in our case where we were a regional publication and we're going against the nationals. Now, I'll spare right. the whole strategy because it's much more complicated than we can cover here, but let's just say we we found a way to make our regional publication more important than the national publications. And I'm big on this. I teach constantly the difference between strategy and tactics. Most executives are tactical. They don't even understand strategy when you're explaining it to them. And salespeople are the worst when it comes to strategy. They do not understand strategy. So Mm -hmm. when I first took over the magazine and I started, you know, deploying all these strategies, the salespeople who worked there were like, well, why do we want to do all that? All I really want to do is show the guy my my rate, my page rate, my circulation, and get him to buy advertising. And so I'll talk more about that later and how we access um, how we access those people. But sure. you know, so we started taking that budget of twenty two hundred dollars, which is what we would spend to send to the twenty two hundred advertisers. And instead, I spent it on one hundred sixty seven people. So imagine you're one of those people. You're at IBM. You're at um, you know, uh, Apple computers, you're at, you know, another advertiser we had at the time was uh, Data uh, Data General. You know, companies, I don't even know if they're around anymore. This goes back 20 years. Right. And, but they were huge advertisers. You know, Radio Shack was big into B2B. You know, they were, you know, I got them in for four-color spreads. And so suddenly you're the, uh, you know, advertising director at, you know, Radio Shack or IBM, and you haven't even rarely heard from this magazine. you got one of those little three-fold flies with a little piece of plastic that keeps it shut. That's what you got every month. And mm-hmm. now you're getting a letter with a gift, a silly little gift, like maybe a Rubik's Cube or, um, you know, a little dinosaur. Um, and I'll talk about that a little later. A mirror, a magnifying glass, all cheap stuff, all under a dollar. It's not, nothing you feel like you're being bribed, but it's kind of it catches your attention because it's in an envelope. And the um, right. offer is clever. It's like, you know, a little flashlight that says, don't be in the dark about the latest trends going on in this market. You know, we'll teach them to you for free. Call, blah, blah, blah. Short letter so you read it. And these things would come. So every two weeks you're getting one of these and you're getting a phone call. Now, 48% of all salespeople go away after a single rejection. That means if you call a prospect and you say, hi, I'd love to come and talk to you about advertising in our magazine, 48% of the time, you know, when someone says, I'm not interested, that's it. That person never calls them back. You get up to four rejections and 95% of all salespeople have gone away. So what I did is I taught our salespeople that um, 
basically it was going to take 12 rejections, and then I showed him what they were. Here's what you're going to do with the first rejection. Here's what you're going to do with the second rejection. Here's the letter you fax after this guy says no the third time. Here's the endorsement letter from somebody else you send after the guy says no the seventh time. You know, here's um, the mailer we're going to do after he says no the tenth time. So suddenly, if you're one of those companies, you're starting to hear from us so much, so often, with so much force and brute force. You go from, I never heard of this company before, to, who's this company I keep hearing about, to, yeah, I've heard of that company, to, yeah, I hear, I hear from that company all the time, to, yeah, I actually am really impressed with that, their marketing. I mean, you know, these guys must be huge. Meanwhile, you know, there's 38 companies that we're going after like that now. In this case, it was 167, but I'm saying for some of your people listening, they could get four or five big clients, you know, another company I work with, um, they were a collection agency, and 90% of their business came from a $5 billion company that was in the Yellow Page business where they did collections for them. And uh-huh. the other 10% of their business came from 1,200 other collection clients. So, you know, let's say they were doing, I'm making up numbers because I want to protect them, but let's say they're doing $5 million a year. 4500000 of that money was coming from one client, and the other 500000 was coming from 1,200 clients. So, you know, the first reaction I have is, well, why don't we just go after more $5 billion clients? Well, we kind of tried. Yeah, well, you know, you kind of try means they're not going to notice you. But if you go after them the way I'm telling you, there's no one you can't get to. You said I ha- I've had 60 of the Fortune 500. Guess how I got them all, just like I'm describing you. You know, I chased Phil Purcell, chairman of Morgan Stanley, every single week for 26 weeks. Week in, week okay. out, every week this guy got a letter, a call, a letter, a call, a letter, a call, a letter, a call. In the 27th week, actually that week I was traveling, I didn't call him. They called me. I'm making a joke, but in reality, he turned to his secretary and he said, you know that guy who calls me every single week? Yeah. I want to hear what he has to say. Call him up and invite him in to see me. And I got an appointment with the chairman of Morgan Stanley, which I got as a client. You know? so, so, Chet, this is this – because is, um, you've just talked about being top of mind, keeping top of mind aware – which a lot of salespeople don't do. But you've also added to that um, marketing strategies that handle all these objections. So by the time they're, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, by the time they're, you've gone through 12 times with them, there's no reason why they shouldn't? Well, we'll talk about what the offers are and how you can get to people. That's strategy number two. But okay. the whole idea is this. There's always a smaller number of ideal vi- buyers versus all buyers. And it's a commitment you're going to make as a company to go after the ideal buyers. In, okay. a, in a more aggressive fashion, you're going to spend more money on them. Why? Because they're worth it. Meaning if, if, if having Microsoft as a client would change your life, I mean, you know, you're a secretary away from Bill Gates. You know, if you call there every single week, you get to know who his secretary is. You get to know who the relief secretary is. You get to know who the lunchtime secretary is. You get to know who the front desk reception is. You get to know everybody in a very short period of time. Right. And, you know, I mean, again, all this is described in my book, but, you know, this comes from being in the field, being a sales guy who would just, you know, I would pick the clients I wanted to have, and I went after them until I got them. It wasn't like, let me, you know, try a bunch of these and see which one falls out of the tree. You know, I just decided who should be an advertiser of mine, and I just chased them until they relented and gave me the business. And, you know, you've got to... Contrary to what weak salespeople feel like, oh, I'm bothering this guy, it's just the opposite. They start to respect you. I mean, I've never had, I had a PR guy come after me uh, for a year, come after me. He used my own strategies against me. So after a year, I finally agreed to talk to the guy. I get him on the phone. I wasn't impressed. I said, you know what? I'm not impressed. Sorry, but, you know, I'm not, you know, thanks anyway. Bye. And that was it. He chased me for another year. <laughs> the guy would not give up. And uh, so after two years of this guy chasing me, I thought, okay, well, there's got to be something to this guy. So I, I paid him a pittance, you know, very little amount of money. And for that, I said, you know, one thing he could do is he could get my name out on the Internet. And here's 24 articles, and I would like them all over the Internet. So over the next two years that I paid this guy, he got me on 56,000 websites with articles. Like if you Google wow. me now, you'll find articles by me or about me on 56,000 different websites, all dumping back to my website. And um, so then he got Jay Abraham as a client. He got, uh, you know, Mark Victor Hansen as a client. He got, 
you know, he got a lot of other famous people because he had the bragging rights of saying he had me and because he could show them, hey, look, I got this guy on 56,000 websites. And he just emailed me two days ago, with, and it just says, thank you in the subject line. I opened up. He says, I just closed my first $1 million client, and I want to thank you. You know, you changed my life, blah, 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 blah. So there's an example of, you know, the guy used my own stuff against me. And, you know, you know, I have Tony Robbins as a partner. Um, I have had Jay Abraham as a partner. There's nobody I haven't, no big celebrity trainer out there. Or there might be a handful. But, I mean, I've, I've partnered with everybody from Harvecker to Brian Tracy, Tom Hopkins, Jay Abraham, Jay Levinson, Guerrilla Marketing. You know, there's no big celebrity trainer that I have not partnered with. And, and, um, and that's evident. Aren't you also one of the founders of Sang, Speaker Author Network? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is which is just about those people getting together and burning. That's right? all the most famous authors, speakers, and authors in the world. Yeah, right. And that's a terrific group. And that was a you know I'm not directly involved now, obviously, because I've had some health challenges. But mm-hmm. but um, but I think it's a great group. And oh my God, what what a terrific conference to go to if you're a speaker and author because it's just nothing but your peers talking about how they make their models run and what makes their businesses successful. It's, it's terrific uh, organization but but the point is that celebrities are harder to get you know meaning like you want to go after wells fargo bank i called the chairman of the board of wells fargo bank who calls the chairman of the board i don't know but the guy <laughs> called me i called yeah uh what's his name um carl Riker. okay right yeah hi it's chet Holmes. is carl in i'm sorry he's not in right now okay uh yeah here's my number but okay thanks bye she didn't ask me who i was why i was calling nothing Ten minutes later, he calls me back. The chairman mm-hmm. of a $200 billion bank calls me back. On that phone call, I try to get an appointment with him. He says no nine times on the call. On the tenth time, he says, okay, how's tomorrow at 3 o'clock? Really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, okay, you know, I'll be there. I mean, I wasn't really ready because, you know, when you start on a Fortune 500 company, your brain is saying, okay, well, this is going to take some time, you know. I mean, I'm right. going to go. I think I have a great strategy for a bank. So I'm going to go after Wells Fargo, Citibank, and, you know, Bankers Trust, you know, whatever. I'm going to go after, like, four or five of the top banks in the world all at once. And the first one I call is Wells Fargo. guy calls me back 10 minutes later, gives me an appointment for the very next day. I get there. They have me sign this thing to say any ideas I give them they may already have. Fine, I sign it. He's got the vice chairman, I don't remember his name now, sitting in the room with him, and I pitched for about 40 minutes. I told him I need 22. He gave me 40. At the end of it, he said, okay, terrific. He stands me up, walks me down to the hall to the senior vice president. He said, this guy's stuff is good. Look into it. I spend three hours with her. Wells Fargo hires me. I work with them for a year. Um, you know what I mean? So there's all this, you know, the, the, dream, the whole idea is, Take clients that would change your life if you got them and make a special and specific effort to that client where you are committed to go after them on a regular basis. Now, just to finish the Charlie Munger story. So I'm going after 167 of the biggest companies in the world. We had none of them in the magazine. Three months goes by, I don't get any. Four months goes by, I don't have a single client in the magazine. Why? Because I'm going after Apple Computer, you know, Texas Instruments, you know, IBM. I mean, I'm going after the biggest companies in the world all the copier companies, so mm-hmm. Rico, uh, Linear, I can't remember the names of them now, but we ha- I got all of them eventually. Um, and we were going after all, all, all technology companies because we were uh, selling to lawyers, and lawyers were in a huge technology buying mode. And so right. we are going after all technology companies. In fact, we changed the course and direction of the whole legal market because I brought in all these technology companies into the market that weren't even targeting lawyers. And anyway, so... In the fifth month, I brought in Xerox, and Xerox came and I got written up in Success Magazine for this. I can send you the article. And um, Xerox came in not for a page. Like a good schedule in a magazine is a full-page advertiser who comes in 12 times with a full-color, full-page. That's a nice sale. Xerox came in for 102 four-color spreads. They came in like six or seven divisions, all with four-color spreads, they, you know, DDB Needham, whatever was the name of their agency at the time. I, I got to the senior executive vice president of Xerox. I went into the room to meet him. He had like 12 people in the room. I presented for the entire executive marketing committee of Xerox. I convinced them they needed to make a heavy commitment to the legal market. 
they didn't just come into my book, by the way. Every magazine in the industry got some pages, but I got the most. And uh, because I convinced them that my book was strategically a smarter place for them to be. So right. that was the biggest sale, not just in the history of the magazine by a, a, a wide margin. It was the biggest sale in the history of the industry. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so because in the fourth month, you know, they were whispering in the halls, um, are you sure this guy, Chet Holmes, is, you know, because I mean, I had a big reputation. I got recruited by a billionaire to go run this magazine that was his little, you know, because Charlie is a lawyer. And he bought a right. legal magazine, so he was all like, you know, really wrapped up emotionally in the success of this magazine. They bring me in, who I've been top producer in advertising sales in New York City. They brought me in thinking, you know, okay, well, let's just get the best guy. And, you know, money was no object. And I moved from New York to LA, to uh, San Francisco, Fox Plaza, where they had their offices. And, mm -hmm. you know, in the fifth month, I brought in the biggest advertiser in the history. And in the sixth month, I brought in 20 more. And now the way magazine advertising works is advertisers are cyclical meaning I'm doing my media plan all through the summer and the fall, and I do my media buy probably in December. I decide which publications I'm going to go in. So that's how it worked out. December was month six that I had been there, and in December I got 29 of the biggest advertisers in the world came in with four-color, full pages. I had I'd gone from a position of putting house ads on the inside front cover because I didn't have an advertiser there to having five and six people fighting over who would get that inside front cover or fighting <laughs> over who would get opposite table of contents, which were premium positions. And then here's my question to everybody listening. There's 167 dream clients you would like to have. You go after them intensively. In six months, you get 29 of them in the magazine. Are you stopping there? You know, right. are you stopping there or are you going to you know, you're going to keep going after them. So we kept going after them, and I doubled business three years in a row, which you read, you know, from my bio. Right. And I actually got called into Charlie Munger's office, picture the guy running $160 billion worth of companies, and he said, now, Chet, in all my years and all the companies I've run, I've never seen anybody double, this is exactly what Charlie Munger sounds like, I'm doing a perfect impersonation. <laughs> I've never seen anybody double business three years in a row. Now, you sure we're not lying, cheating, or stealing? And literally those words, you know, to me like that. And I said, no, we're just marketing and selling better than anybody on the face of the planet. Now, hold on, i got to keep drinking fluids here. <sighs> so, you know, we doubled business three years in a row with that strategy because not only did we get more advertisers every year, but the ones we got went deeper. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? They took more advertising. We got deeper with them. We got them more involved. We got them you know, doing more merchandising, more programs with us, getting heavily, more heavily involved with our, with our publication. And then, of course, okay. you know... I'm imagining that uh, January publication had to just be, had to be a whole new uh, magazine, right? It's funny, because when I left the, uh, when I got there, the magazine was an average of 29 pages. When I left, it was 500 pages. <laughs> and now, I just saw it recently, the thing's like a pamphlet. I don't know, it's, you know, 22 pages total, yeah. counting the advertisers. You know, so, you know, and of course, whatever, they would blame the industry or the market or whatever, but, you know, I got news if I was still there, there's no way it would only be 22 pages, you know, <laughs> not to slam the current management or anything. But, right. You no, know, it's just a, it's, it is, it is a, a form of true grit, you know. So to anybody listening, you know, what really makes success is not the strategy, it's the commitment to the strategy. I call it having a PhD. You know, and that's, you know, that's who you really need to succeed today. That's what I call pig-headed discipline. You know, and, you you know, you make a determination that you're going to do certain things that, you know, for you, if it's in, we'll talk B2C in a moment, but for B2B, you know, if you're going after businesses, I guarantee you, you know, anybody going B2B, there's probably 10 clients that would change your life. You know, or they have, you know, a small piece of business from one very large client and they're not operating at the, at the right level, and I'll, talk of strategy on how to get to the highest level of decision makers that's that's strategy number two okay but but you know the point is that most companies are not disciplined and they lack discipline in their training they lack discipline in the skill development of their people and that phd is what really makes a difference and you know when i give speeches on stage i push that so hard by the end of the thing i swear everyone in that room is seriously and emotionally committed to having you know, at least a weekly improvement in their company in some area. And right. so if you go back to the Charlie Munger days and you tested my staff and you said, what are the seven steps to every sale? They could still probably list them 20 years later. What are the six steps to 
you know, maximizing your time productivity. They could probably still listen because I used to do spot quizzes, role plays. What are the six questions you will ask every single prospect at a minimum, and why are you asking them, and what are you looking for when you ask them? What are the, you know, five ways to build unstoppable rapport? You know, what's a business question you can ask that leads you into asking six personal questions that get you to know this prospect better? You know, so nothing was left to the individual, but every individual who had a contribution was heard and felt uh, honored to be heard. And, you know, it's like I say, you know, people will buy in much stronger to things that they help create. So you don't need mm-hmm. to be the one telling people what to do. You need to be the one asking them what they think they should do. And then you, as a leader, corral their thoughts, their ideas, your own ideas, mix them in there, and, you know, start making rules, procedures, policies, standard operating procedures, you know. And, you know, if you can't break down your sales process into steps, you know, and say what each step is and what you're looking to accomplish per step, then you're not, you, have no, you don't have a Ph.D. and you're dreaming. And when I see companies that are stuck, or small, or been small, or been stuck. You know, like every day we see a $5 million company come into our world. Guy's been $5 million for five years, you know. And in three months, we, we get this guy moving again because he just didn't know what he didn't know. He didn't know he needed to have weekly improvement in the company in these six areas, and here's how you do it, you know. He needed right. that big-headed discipline and commitment to discipline in the organization. So we, now we have this new thing now where me and Tony Robbins put together this uh, growth plan. It's got the most advanced concepts. And, you know, you got to imagine, I mean, of course, I have great um, access to information, but nothing compared to Tony Robbins. This guy <laughs> has been famous for 30 years. He advises presidents of the United States. He does a thing called the Platinum Group, and that's, you know, very expensive. It's like $100,000 to join. There's only 100 people allowed in it. But they're all wealthy, you know, people. And they go on four vacations a year with him. And on those vacations, like he just did one in Scotland, and he brought, you know, the chief economic advisor of the United States. He brought the guy who turned around uh, Israel's financial disaster. He brought the guy who turned Germany into an economic power. I'm making up stuff here because I don't remember what the background is. But, you know, (laughs) it's Tony Robbins. He can get anybody in the world, you know, from billionaires who he's advised, you know, who pay him a million dollars a year to get his advice. You know, this guy has access to the best information in the world. And so when he saw these concepts that I'm telling you about, and then, of course, in, in my case, how I got him as a, as a first as a client, and then I got him as a partner, was because I took in, and I'll show you for the next strategy, how we increased his lead flow 10 times. 10 times, you know, like literally going from, you know, let's do this, and oh, we get 50 leads, oh, we do this, and we get 500 leads. Well, if you're Yeah, I've heard him edify you about that, and he's just, <laughs> he's like, you know, it's like disbelief, like, my gosh, it's like not a little bit, it's like a lot. Yeah, and I mean, again, we don't have time to do it here, but I'll do a little bit of it. And, you know, when you hear, I have a training program, actually, if you want, we can give that away. I, I know it's up right now. I don't guarantee if this is a year, up a year from now that it'll still be up, but I can give you a site where I'm giving away a training program called, uh, my people named it because it's really good, it's called How to Get Ten Times More Leads with the Same Moves and the Same Money You're Already Spending and you listen to that program, it's 90 minutes in front of 2,000 people, and you listen to that and your brain will go, yep, I can see why this guy can get, there's nobody this guy can't take on, he can't at least double their response, but why I typically will get 10 times more leads from the same moves people are already making. And again, and we'll I'm glad you're willing to give that away because one of the things that I was impressed with with that when I listened to it, oh, you was heard how it. you took, you, yeah, and it was great. And one of the things that is most impressive is you grabbed a bunch of people from the audience and said, you know, right. tell me what you're doing in your business, what is your business, and, right and there let's there on break the spot, it down yeah. for you. And right there on the spot, I tune them up and show them how to do it. And four different people from the audience, and by the time I'm done, all four of them are going, yep, okay, I can see why, exactly why I'm going to have ten times more leads. So you're right. So, yeah, I'm happy to give that away. Great. And, as far as I know, I mean, I think I do a little plug, but that's not a blatant sales pitch. There's nothing in there. Like, I listened to it the other day, just the end of it, to think, well, what was I offering at the end? And in the end, I'm not even offering anything. So it's No, just there was no really... upsell there. Because I remember. Uh, I didn't remember an upsell. Right. So what I'm saying is it's just great content. It was a terrific free thing I did for my own database, you know, as a gift. And it's awesome. It's uh, do, you, do, do we want to give the URL? Yeah, let's see that. One other thing about that's really funny because you got Tony Robbins. Now, Tony Robbins, he's met everybody, done everything. He's a smart guy, yeah. and he teaches people how to how to do things. He 
hung on every one of your every every word you said on that call because he would pop in from time to time and you know and reiterate what you were saying or make a comment on what you were saying um like i said he listened to every word that came out of your mouth it was incredible well you know like i said i got him as a partner because now we say we we built this uh business growth plan thing right and um we take people through a 30 point business growth plan and it teaches the most advanced concepts in marketing and sales today. This is the latest thing. This is just, just, just about. I don't even have a place to send anybody to go get it, except <laughs> they can go contact us on the businessbreakthroughs.com site, but you know, and ask for what, what we call the ultimate um, business growth plan. And mm-hmm. you know, this is a process where an expert who's trained by me and Tony gets on the phone with somebody and they take them through 30 ways to grow their company. Well, you take the average business owner and say, do you have a growth plan for your company? Nine out of ten say no. One out of ten say, oh, yeah. And then you start asking, well, what does it consist of? You know, Does it have 30 ways you're going to grow your company? Well, no, it doesn't have 30 ways. Well, how many does it have? Well, it might have a couple ways. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, they don't have 30 ways. And Make in more our calls. Case, Make more yeah, sales. I mean, you know, make more calls. <laughs> exactly. It's not a real plan. This is a real plan where, you know, we take you through eight different marketing strategies to increase your lead flow. We take you through 11 different profit strategies to enhance your profits instantly that month. You know, we take you through 10 different ways to increase your sales performance. And then you write them down in your own handwriting. And at the end, while we're going through it, you're looking at, at this spreadsheet where we take each one of the concepts and then you figure out what it's worth to you. So, well, what would be a good increase if you did this better? And everybody's like, well, I could get a 20% increase. Well, let's go conservative. Let's say three. Is three something that you could live with that you say, no question about, I can get a 3% increase if I just did this a little better? Okay, great. So then we take that 3%, we take what you're currently doing now, we extrapolate that over the course of a year. And we do this in 30 different areas. And by the end of the thing, you've got a guy doing $1 million with $200,000 in profit. And by the end of the thing, he's doing... $2.8 million with $600,000 in profit in his own handwriting with the most conservative f- estimates he's ever made in his life. And he's looking at the spreadsheet in his own handwriting. So, And you get that. We just give it to you. Boom, here you go. I mean, we don't give it to you. We have to charge to do the plan. But this, <laughs> is, this is a really cool thing. In fact, I'll tell you what. You'll be the first to hear this. If you want, I'll play the radio spot that Tony and I just, just recorded um, because it's not even on the radio yet. And you know we, we're in 200 markets with radio. So... Just pretty oh, right, much really, yeah. anybody who uh, is alive in the world has probably heard those radio spots because we've been on every radio station. But here, would you want me to play this? Yeah, Again, yeah, do it'll, it'll lead nicely into our second strategy. So here okay, we go. Super. Attention business owners. This is Tony Robbins. After working with billionaires and business owners from more than 100 countries, I can tell you that there's something that separates those who are dreamers from those who are the real achievers. And this is Chet Holmes, author of the six-year best-selling book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. The achievers are all about implementation. The dreamers just want information. We have a way to put you to the test right now. If you're about really implementing and getting real results, you can be part of a study where we actually track, monitor, and measure your achievements weekly. To give the achievers a starting point, we put the most advanced concepts in management, marketing, and sales today into a business growth plan beyond anything you've probably ever seen and certainly ever implemented. From billion-dollar conglomerates to highly successful-oriented professionals, our track record is amazing. So please don't waste your own time unless you're a business owner who's dead serious about being the best and you're willing to prove it by being part of this study. Call us and leave us a voicemail with your email, and we'll email you the best business growth plan of your career at our expense, not yours. Call 800 311 9888. Blah, blah, blah. So, anyway. Uh, that's um, great. Hey, thanks for that. Yeah. So, that's. Before you segue, you should give the URL because you got a couple people saying, hey, you never gave the URL. Okay. So, it's businessbreakthroughs.com forward slash Chet's Best. No apostrophe. Chet's Best. And I didn't name that URL, but my staff is like, dude, this is, this is like the best training you've ever done. And so, we're going to call it Chet's Best. I'm like, okay, fine. But it's businessbreakthroughs.com slash Chet's Best. And, and that's up right now. I don't know how long that will be up. I, uh, you know, I mean, because I know you, you, you give this away for years to come. So, but for now, that is up. And then anytime anyone wants, you know, you can go to businessbreakthroughs.com, go contact us and, you know, ask for if you, if you want to look into getting that study done or be part of that study you just heard about or, you know, you want to look into um, getting a growth plan. Because that, that's the most exciting thing I've ever been involved in because, you know what I mean? You could teach, like I said, it's like that ad says, it's about I- implementation on information. You can teach a concept like the Dream 100, 
and I can show you. And intellectually, you already got it. Like, if you're listening to this, you got it. Your brain says, okay, I get what he's saying. We should break down our, now I call it Dream 100, but that's kind of confusing because let's stay with one name. We call it Best Buyer Strategy. And that's right. let's pick who your best buyers are. And, you know, I used to call it Dream 100 because usually there's about 100 clients that would change your life. And if you went after that Dream 100, it would change your life. But, you know, so everybody listening is intellectually they're going, I got it, you know. But how would you like it to have, like, a guy whose whole job in the world, all he does all day long is help businesses grow. That's all he does. So he's an expert, like 40 to 70 hours a week, you know, 365 days a year from, you know, 100 different countries where we get clients from all over the world, from me and Tony and our activities right. out there. My book is bestseller in 17 languages now. And, you know what I mean, and all day long all these guys do is help businesses grow. And this guy gets on the phone with you, and then not only first he builds you the plan, which you agree to, and then every week you get on the phone with him and he says, all right, well, let's go over now the five areas that you promised me you would improve last week and let's look at what you're doing. And did you get the letters out here? There's the phone calls made here. You know, and what happens, you know, like I say, when you pay, you pay attention. So there's right. some people that, you know, again, in, there's another one of these we just did. Uh, let's see here if I can find that one. We did, um, let's see. We did uh, 20 spots in 75 minutes. Tony was on fire. Let's see if this is it. Attention business owners. A recent Toronto study revealed that only one in 10 business owners actually have a written plan for how they're going to grow their business. Yet those that have one achieve 50% more. In addition, if you have someone that holds you accountable, you achieve almost 400% more. This is Tony Robbins. I've helped businesses from over 100 countries, billionaires, and even a few presidents. And this is Chet Holmes, author of what many have called a life-changing book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. Chet and I have created what I believe is the most advanced business growth opportunity you'll probably ever experience. A chance to learn and apply the most advanced concepts in management, marketing, and sales. Get a growth plan beyond anything you've imagined, and then actually have a master business coach hold your feet to the fire to track, monitor, measure, and implement weekly. But please don't waste your own time if you're only about information without implementation. That's not us. But if you're serious about making your company stronger, more profitable, and being the best at what you do, then start by getting a free growth plan at our expense, not yours. Leave us a voicemail with your email at 800-9... So anyway, um, that's a little fast. That one hasn't been edited yet. <laughs> that's, <so fast. laughs> no, that's, that's cool. Um, you know, and that's, that's the key. I'm, I'm guessing you know, it's, it really comes down to not only having a plan, uh, or having, for first having a system, then having a plan, and then having accountability. That's huge. Well, again, you know, like he said in there, you, and actually I had the data wrong, which pisses me off because getting him in there was like took a month to, to schedule. It's actually 78% more if you have a written plan, and he says 50, it's 78%. But right. it is 400% more if someone's holding you accountable. They took two divisions of a company. They're identical. They taught them the same training in the one division. They tracked and monitored. They had a 20% increase in performance over the period six months following, they took the other division, same exact training, they just had a coach weekly going over the same material with them and forcing them to be more accountable. And they saw a 400% increase in performance in the same exact, you know, duplicate division. So, you know, I mean, these are real good studies, and uh, they show that, you know. But let's go to concept number two, because I don't want to run out of time. Okay, uh, so great. the second way to double sales, so the first way, obviously, is best buyer strategy, and what we really didn't cover was a B2C example. So let me do one or two B, B2C examples. I had okay. a uh, guy who, who was a boat uh, broker. And, you know, basically, you know, there's a whole part of my book where you draw the pyramid, you know, that whole 3% buying now. And if you're listening, if you draw a little picture of a pyramid and you draw a line to the top 3% of that pyramid, that's who's buying now. So it's usually about 3% drives all commerce. So this weekend, for example... There might be, out of 3 million people in the greater Los Angeles area, there might be 30,000 people, 3%, who are going to go out and buy a car. And each uh, car uh, dealership will end up with maybe 30 of those people into their, you know, the bigger ones might end up with 100 people who will come into their dealership. And that drives all the commerce, you know. So that that's the part of the pyramid that we're appealing to, you know, when you just make a standard offer of, you know, do you want to buy? Do you want to talk to me about advertising? The only guy who wants to talk to you about advertising is somebody who's buying advertising. So what I try to do is force people to think through, well, the whole rest of that pyramid are not buying now, but what could you offer that would make even those people go, well, that sounds kind of interesting. You know, like uh, when 
Tony would go to a, a new town uh, with a UPW on the ship power then, you you know you hear a radio spot. I'm coming to you know Atlanta with uh, unleash the power. Then you know if you want to live with more passion, call 800. Blah blah. Attend this event. Attend this event. Attend this event. And he'd do direct mail. His PARS personal account reps would call his database in that area. His field sales representatives would go visit you know car dealerships, real estate offices, insurance brokers, small businesses that go and present. You know, and he would blitz an area, and he'll go from nobody showing up to he just sold out. New Jersey, uh, whatever, two months ago, um, mm-hmm. you know, sold it out in three weeks, 3,000 people in the audience, just boom, sold it out. And um, now he's, he's doing L.A. in uh, June, and, you know, again, that's already like half full, so that, that thing's going to sell out too. Um, right. But his radio spots were just typically saying, here's my event, come to my event, come to my event. So I'm, I'm coaching his staff, and I go, well, let me ask you a question, guys. When... When someone calls in, do they just sign right up for the event? And they go, oh, no, hell no. And I go, well, what has to happen? Well, you know, you got to ask them a lot of questions. you got to find out what their needs are. And, you know, is it one call? Oh, sometimes it's three, four, or five calls. Oh, it's a lot of work to get somebody to go from a call-in to buying. I said, so then wouldn't we just want more call-ins? Yeah, 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 we, we'd love to have more call-ins. So I took that ad, and now I'll play for you the first uh, ad that I wrote for Tony um, here. First, I couldn't even get him to do it, actually. The first one was an announcer because I couldn't get his attention. But then when that one pulled <laughs> ten times more leads than anyone he had been running, suddenly he stepped up and started doing these. So this is the one I got him to do. Take this test and see if you're successful. True or false? I enjoy almost every minute of my life regardless of the environment. Two, I'm running at the top of my game and enjoying it because I'm centered no matter what. And three, I know that life is about the journey, not the destination. As corny as it sounds, I'm truly enjoying the journey of my life. Did you know that there are six human needs that motivate all your actions, both good and bad? These can propel you to failure as fast as they can propel you to success. They can make the difference between a life of meaning or a life of frustration. What if you knew what those were and how you could use them to change the drive of your life, to shift things and align with your highest and best good? I want to provide you these insights for free. My name is Tony Robbins, and I've advised presidents of the United States, captains of industry, and billionaires, and I want to help you personally take your entire life to the next level by giving you this special report on the six human needs. Call us and leave us a voicemail with your email, and I'll email you this fantastic report right away. This may be the only time you hear this message, so call right now, 1-800-4- So, you know, that is what we call, because that builds the strategy number two. It's called education-based marketing, or we call it the stadium pitch, and I'll flesh that out a little bit more, but here, here it is in a nutshell, in one sentence. You can attract far more buyers by offering to teach them something of value than you'll ever attract by offering to sell them something. So right. let's go back to the Charlie Munger strategy. All my competitors are calling up going, Hi, I'm with XYZ Magazine. I'd love to come and talk to you about advertising in our magazine. And uh, so, you know, half the time the um, person would say, I'm not interested because they're not in that 3% of buying now. But imagine getting a call like this. Hi, I'm with XYZ Magazine. Are you familiar with this? Uh, yeah, I think I heard of you guys. Well, after we've done all those mailers, go, yeah, I've gotten your mailers. Well, I don't know if you saw on our mailers, but what we were offering is we've done a study of the industry, and we found out that there's five things that make everyone succeed in this industry, and there's seven things that make people fail in this industry. And by the way, uh, you're a copier company, right? You're Xerox. We're going to be showing this to Lanier, Sanyo, I don't remember all the names of all the copier companies, but, you know, you know, basically, <laughs> no, you know, we're going to be showing this to all of your competitors in the next couple of weeks and wondered if you might want to see the same information. That's a pretty hard thing to say no to. And I can yeah. translate that into any kind of, say you're an architect. You know, I have the largest hotel architectural company in the country. So you call up a hotel company like Hilton, you know, who's building hotels all the time. They don't currently have a need for an architect. So if you call them up, hi, I'm with you know, WATG, that was the name of the company, and we'd love to come talk to you about your architectural needs. Well, right now we don't have any. Okay, fine, thanks very much. You call them and say, hi, with WATG, we've done a study of what making hotels succeed and what's making hotels fail, and, you know, we're going to be sharing this with every other hotel chain in the country. We wondered if you might want to see the same information. That's a hard meeting to turn down. It's free. It's from one of the most respected architectural firms in the hotel industry. You know what I mean? And even if you're not, like in our, our case, we were nobody. We were a nothing little magazine that nobody had barely heard of. But after I did that marketing blitz, everybody heard of us. And so then we'd call up and we'd offer to come do this education on, you know, the five things that were making people succeed when they approach lawyers and the seven things that were making them fail. And it was packed.
packed with really great information because if you look at what are your strategic objectives when you have a meeting with a prospect, now if I say that to the average person, they go, what do you mean? I go, well, you know, you're going to meet with a prospect. What do you want to try and accomplish? Well, I want to make a sale. And you say, okay, well, that's, that's a good objective. What else? Well, what else is there? Well, do you want to be trusted? <laughs> well, yeah, I want to be trusted. Well, what are, you know, how are you going to make that happen? Well, I guess, you know, that will just be a natural thing. Do you want to be respected? Well, yeah. Do you want to preempt your competition? Well, yeah. Do you want to have price comparisons that would say even if you're more expensive than your competitor, they still want to buy from you over anybody else? Well, yeah, that'd be good. How do I do that? Do you want to motivate them to act now instead of take, you know, six months or eight months? you want to have some reason why they have to buy right now? Well, yeah, that would be good. How do I do that? Do you want to have them trust you over all other things and become like a trusted advisor on their staff? Well, how do I do that? And so um, if you look at the, in my book, Chapter 4, which I'll give to anybody, it's on the landing page on chathomes.com and on Business Breakthroughs, Chapter 4, free for anybody. It lists all 14 strategic objectives. And if you right. just as an individual were to go and look at the, what those 14 strategic objectives and just start thinking through them, just start thinking, well, well, if I'm going to meet with somebody, how do I accomplish these 14 strategic objectives? It changes everything about how you operate tactically. And again, some guys, you've got to drag them through the mud on this one because they're like, well, you know, and, and I had to do it with, with the Charlie Munger situation. So I built this fantastic, you know, presentation about the legal market, how to succeed, you know, what were the five things that are making companies succeed. Uh, we had the benefit of having um, uh, a reader services card in the magazine that's like circle number nine if you're interested in this ad. And so right. nobody ever paid attention to that. Well, I, you know, I got the computer readouts, and I'm going through this, data and I'm looking down it and you know it's got every advertiser listed you know and it's got every ad respondent so you know XYZ A advertiser two responses B advertiser 14 20 22 28 and then we went, suddenly there's one 228 I'm like what the hell why is this guy getting 228 responses and nobody else is getting anything close to that flip 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 go to the magazine look at the ad and so I start to see patterns very quickly the ones that are pulling 200 responses have two responses are following four basic rules now I got something to really that I can show you. When I got in front of Xerox, I showed those guys the four things that were most common. They put me, the senior vice president of Xerox said, go to DDB Needham, and I want you to present for their entire creative team. So here I am. I was 27 <laughs> or something, you know. I'm right. presenting for uh, the entire creative team at DDB Needham. Uh, the, you know, and all of their ads that came in the magazine all reflected every single rule that I had taught them about how to advertise to lawyers and why you know, certain ways were successful. Well, so, so now blending the two strategies, you know, first you develop an education-based marketing approach where you're going to offer to teach me something of value. But here's the rule. It better be good. And it better have real value because if you call me up and say, hi, I'm with XYZ Magazine. I'm going to teach you the four things that make companies succeed in this industry. And you show up and you start pitching your magazine, that meeting is going to be over in about 10 minutes and that guy's going to be pissed off at you instead of thinking you're right. the greatest thing since sliced bread. So the strategist requires a little more work, you know, Art of War, Sun Tzu, you know. It requires a little bit more work to be to strategize so that when you get in front of that prospect, you're accomplishing all 14 of those strategic objectives. But, oh, my God. There were salespeople that worked for me where they were like, well, why would I do all that? You know, all I really want to do is sell this guy advertising. I said, well, let me show you. And so I take this diehard ad guy who's been selling advertising for 20 years and take him by the hand and take him into a meeting because he didn't understand why we would show all this information. And I would present right. all this education information. And by the end of the meeting, it starts off with them leaning back. At the end of the meeting, they're leaning forward. They're taking notes. They're asking my advice. By the end of the meeting, I'm advising them not just on their media strategy, but on which other publications are worth their time and energy because I have developed so much respect that they respect me over all my competitors, and they're asking my advice on which competitors are really worthy and which ones are not, and they're believing every word that I say because I've shown them so much information. I've, I've established myself as such a high level of expertise above all my competitors. And, I mean, that is the dream, right? If you're a sales yeah. manager, that's the dream you would like to have. Um, what I haven't done is um, now let's, let's switch over to a B2C example. So I had a client sold boats. I mentioned you and I in our personal conversation that I got into boating because right. I don't have any um, hobbies that are not businesses. All my business, all my hobbies have become businesses. Yeah, so don't start a boat shop, Chet. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so if I don't have something to do that's a leisure activity, I end up working. You know, so I got a boat, and that's, uh, you know I started off like everybody with the boat. You start off with a little 18 foot boat, and then the next boat you buy, okay, they call it three foot itis. 
where the next boat you buy is three feet bigger, the next boat you buy is three feet bigger. Well, of course, I don't, you know, <laughs> go homes, you know, go bigger, go homes. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I, I went from 18 foot to 30 foot to 48 foot to 58 foot. You know, so now I have a three bedroom, you know, three story, 58 foot yacht in Marina del Rey. Um, oh, my next door neighbor is uh, Jean Paul, who owns Jean Paul Mitchell. You know, uh-huh. Mitchell, Paul, yeah. Paul Mitchell. And he owns um, Patron. And, and two boats away is Bob Iger, who's a chairman and CEO of ABC Television. And South Park guy, what's his name? Uh, Trey Parker has a boat oh, there, sweet. which is always full of bikini clad women and sex, drugs, <laughs> and rock and roll. It's fun to watch him come to his boat. You can't believe the parties this guy has. Anyway. Uh, the point is, it's a, it's a real party atmosphere, and so I had this boat guy who, you know, basically, you know, he sends out things to people who want to buy boats, and that's all he appeals to. And I go, well, you know what? I'm a rich guy. I can afford to buy pretty much, I mean, nah, I'm not going to get ridiculous, but, you know, I just bought a, you know, a seven-figure, three-bedroom, three-story boat. You know what I mean? Wouldn't you like to find a guy like that every day? Yeah. Well, in my neighborhood, you know, where every house is worth, you know, 4.8 to whatever, $10.8 million. Every guy in there can afford the boat. He probably just never thought about it. I never thought about it. A friend of mine suggested it, and I was like, yeah, yeah, let me go look at boats. Now, that's, you know, four sizes ago. But the point is, if this guy had said to me, and I never thought about boat, you know, did you know that families that boat together, you know, form sacred bonds with their children that, and this is true, by the way, because it's now in his, core story it's what i call a core story every company should have a core story that they would tell like we had for the legal publication we had a core story that we would tell everybody that was full of information and in the end we showed the strategy of why our magazine even though it was regional was a great test market for any approach to the legal market and i convinced the biggest companies in the world that they should spend more money with us than they did with national magazines that had four times our circulation because we were like a microcosm of the industry and a better way to spend i mean I don't even know if that's true, but, you know, it sounded really good. They believed it, and they went for the strategy, and, you know what I mean, we never lost an advertiser. I would go with you. I'd split test with you before I went to the national. Yeah, exactly. It was cheaper. So, you know, it was a good strategy. They liked the idea of it. Uh, But anyway, so we had this guy. He sends a letter to, and you can buy. You go to zapdata.com, and you can say, it only goes up to a quarter of a million, but give me everybody in this neighborhood who earns a quarter of a million dollars or more. And boom, the list will say, well, there's 2,800 people like that. Okay, well, let me buy 500 of those. And you send an invitation. By the way, number one most open direct mail piece is an invitation or a greeting card. You know, yourself, you come home, you've got a greeting card, you know, you've got all your bills sitting there, you've got your direct mail magazines, and you get a, you get a greeting card. What are you going to open first? You open the greeting card. You know, oh, somebody right. sent me a birthday card or an invitation or a wedding invitation. So this guy said, you know, um, we are, you know, such and such yachting company, and uh, a lot of people like yourself do not realize that yachting is like going to another planet. It's a way to put yourself in a peaceful mode. It is a way of escaping like you wouldn't believe. It's a way of having a family bond. And by the way, the people who have strong bonds with their children, the children are twice as likely to do sex, premarital sex, get pregnant as a teen, do drugs, do smoke cigarettes, do alcohol if they don't have a bond with their parents. And boating has been proven to be one of the best ways in the world to have real alone time with your family and bond, blah, blah, blah. So if you mm-hmm. would like, our company is willing, if you answer three or four questions for us, we're willing to give you a free yachting day on one of our exclusive yachts, fabulous food, gourmet dining, a full day for you and your family to come and check it out. So he sends out, you know, I can't remember, like 104 of these things. I said, so how did it go? He's like, eh, you know, I don't know. Uh, we got six responses. Excuse me? <laughs> you got six responses? Anybody else out there getting a 6% response rate to your direct mail lately? Nobody. You know, I mean, you're lucky if you get 0.01%. is good today, you know. 6% right. is unbelievable. So he had six people take him up on the offer. One guy bought a million-dollar yacht from him. The other five, he's still in play with, for all I know. You know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. slowly working them over, you know, make them think about it, maybe downselling them to a used yacht, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that strategy doubled that guy's business in one year because then he, once he got one guy to buy, he thought, okay, this is good. So he started sending out more invitations, more invitations. Now, you know, you've got to invest in that, but you say to yourself, okay, what's my commission on a million-dollar yacht? 
and how many guys could I go after before I really would start losing money on that? If I send out 100 invitations, that's $100. If I buy, you know, a gourmet lunches and take six people out and it costs me, let's say, $300 every time I do that and I spend $1,800, but one out of the six guys is going to buy a million-dollar yacht from me, you know, at a 10% commission, I could do, I could do what? 30, 40, 50 of those before I'd actually lose money on that deal? Yeah. You know, my math's probably best. It's probably more like 300. I mean, you know, my math isn't good right now. But, you know, the point <laughs> is, like, you know, if they're be- better buyers, you can do stuff for them you wouldn't do for everybody else. Like if you're a dentist, a chiropractor, a, uh, you know, a plastic surgeon, you know, you target the best, we call it best neighborhood strategy. You can buy lists, buy uh, household income for any neighborhood in the world and do something you would not do normally for normal buyers. These are your best buyers. These are the wealthiest people. I do with financial advisors all the time. I show them how, you know, go after the business owner who has a million to a $5 million business. This guy's making at least, you know, $200,000 a year to a half a million dollars a year. And, uh, you know, they're small enough where you can still get them on the phone. You can't dial people in their homes anymore. You know, the do not dial this and all that. But, you know, there's still no restriction. And, again, I... You know, I'm not a lawyer, so I say this with anybody listening. You get your own legal advice on this. But to my knowledge, you, there's still no restriction on calling business owners. You can still buy a list of business owners. We just bought a quarter of a million names from Dun & Bradstreet, which is at zapdata.com, and uh, cost 16000 bucks. We bought a quarter of a million names of companies from $1 million to $5 million that my outbound sales team is calling right now, inviting them to participate in an online web seminar that we get, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So you can target anybody you want at any size you want. And, uh, you know, B2C, you know, uh, let's just talk about that core story for a moment more because we're sure. out of time. Uh, the core story idea is everybody should have something educational that you would offer anybody in any circumstance. So if you're a chiropractor, you've got the five things that make people healthy. It's not the five reasons why chiropractors are great or worse than that, even more tactical, the five reasons why I'm a great chiropractor. You're only appealing to the very highest top point of that pyramid. You want something that every single person is interested in. Every person is interested in the six ways to make you healthier. And so one of them might be structural and having to do with making sure your spine is straight. The other five might have nothing to do with, with spine directly. It has to do with organs, nutrition, exercise, diet, you know, other things. And, you know, if you put great information in there, for example, I can tell you that 45 minutes of exercise a day, 45 minutes of walking a day cuts death by all disease in half. Death by mm-hmm. all disease is cut in half if you just walk 45 minutes a day. So, you know, that's something I know because we work with a bunch of chiropractors and we put data like that into their core story so that when they're mm-hmm. in the office, they would show really terrific data to establish high level of respect and trust in the last way to treat and promote and improve human health was biomechanical and structural. And then it talked about the importance of the communication from the spine, from the brain, central nervous system, down through the spinal column and out to the organs and blah, blah, blah. By the time it was done, everybody listening, even if you didn't have bad back problems, you wanted, it, you wanted your spine to be adjusted. You know, so <laughs> it's like, what can you, we had work with a shoe store, a chain of shoe stores. It grew from 100 shoe stores to 200 shoe stores using this strategy. And these guys, when I started with them, the owner said to me, there's no difference in shoes. A shoe is a shoe is a shoe. Some of them are more expensive, blah, blah, blah. So then I go and start working with the buyer who goes and buys the shoes all over the world, Italy, Rome, you know, Paris, blah, blah, blah. He says, are you right. kidding me? There's 27 different quality control decisions in every uh, manufacturing of every shoe. The owner of the company had no idea. By the time I was done, we knew all 27 construction moves he would make. And so this guy was taking, like, making Prada knockoffs that were actually a better shoe than Prada. You know what I mean? He, they looked like the Prada, they were, but they were a better shoe. They had a better cup lining. They had a better inside lining. They didn't use synthetic materials. They used actual, you know, things that breathe. So by the mm-hmm. time we were done, these guys could sell 10 times more of that Prada knockoff, you know, than they could before. But we trained them on fashion. We train him in, um, you know, what they call the threshold effect. If people make 11 assumptions about you based upon how you're dressed, by the way. You show up into a room, someone looks you up and down, they make 11 assumptions about you, about your economic level, your sex appeal, your uh, education level, your intelligence level. They make 11 assumptions about you before you open your mouth. So we put that into their core story, and they would teach this to people, 
And, you know, by the time they were done, they had built so much trust and respect. You're saying to yourself, you know, I don't want to buy shoes from anybody else. This guy knows more about feet, fashion, and footwear. And that was another thing, feet. You know there's 214,000 nerve endings in your feet that connect to every organ in your body? Did you mm-hmm. know that you have more bones in your feet, 52 bones in your feet, than any other part of your body? And that, you mm-hmm. know, the type of shoe you wear, how that shoe breathes, how much bacteria that shoe builds up, how that shoe supports your foot, all that makes a difference in the health of that, your spine, how you stand, blah, blah, blah. You know, so you can see, like, you know, you run into a guy in a shoe store with all that information versus another guy who's like, yeah, you want this in blue or pink, and, you know, I have it in both colors, you know. After a while, you don't, you don't even want to go to the other guy. You just want to go to that guy who knows you, has you know, done an analysis of what you've got in your closet. He knows what shoes you have. So the B2C example, you know, best buyer, best neighborhood strategy, go after the best buyer, do stuff for them you wouldn't do, and have something educational to show them. In that case, we wouldn't pull out a big presentation. I put into a three-fold brochure, and we just call it, we call it a core story brochure, and every guy would carry, you know, 10 of those in his back pocket. And it was full of foot fact, foot and fashion. It was a feet, fashion, and I can't remember. It was three things. But feet, fashion, and footwear um, uh, facts, you know. And it had all this information. You know, the average woman has, you know, 27 pairs of shoes. You know, where do you rank on the scale? And we had a, a footaholic scale that showed, like, you know, if you have this, you're, you, you don't even – you can't even compete. If you have this many, well, you're competition for Carrie Bradshaw at, you know, Sex in the City. And if you have this many, you're, you know, you're competitive with Celine Dion. Men don't get the shoe thing, you know. So, right. well, you know, now my wife's not going to be allowed to listen to this chat because uh-huh. just from your pitch of you explaining the whole process, she's going to want to buy a whole new bunch of shoes. And she should. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so that, those are the two strategies. I mean, one is, you know, going after the best buyers, but blending that with the whole idea of being able to teach him something of value, I mean, it really, really changes everything. And I'm, I'm pretty much out of time, my friend. Okay. Um, let me, first of all, no, no problem. Uh, we mentioned your health issues. I just want to, if you could just let everybody know you're, you're, on, the, you're on the upswing. Things are going great, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I have had I had leukemia, uh, which was a shocker. I was in Mexico. I came out of the worst, uh, most stressful year of my life, and they don't know what causes leukemia, by the way. So it could have been the stress. It you know it could have been I got a bug bite in Mexico that made my uh, calf swell up so much. I, I thought I had sun poisoning, but it would turn out to be a bug bite, and that turned into leukemia. Maybe I don't even they don't really know what causes it anyway. I ended up with leukemia. I went through a year-long battle with that. I did what's called the transplant, where they replace your bone marrow with somebody else's bone marrow. In my case, my brother, one of my mm-hmm. four siblings, was a perfect match. And um, so I, and then the 100 days following that, you're on heavy drugs, which I'm on right now. And uh, it's, that's the real challenge is the drugs because, I mean, from a health standpoint, I'm really good right, right now. But I'm still on these drugs that suppress the immune system and, you know, they have to get you past the 100-day mark after the transplant, then you're free to go. I'm 15 days from that 100 days. Congratulations. So, yeah, I'm really, really feeling, uh, I'm still, you know, like I said, unfortunately, the drugs. But, but you know, it's funny because I talked about pig head discipline and determination. Man, you mm-hmm. see it in the hospital. You can see the nurses were even telling me they can tell who's going to make it excuse me, and who's not. They said they can tell by some people just come in, they're already defeated, they're already woe is me, they're already, and you have some people like, you know, whatever this is, man, it doesn't matter, like, bring it, I'm going to face this, I will get through this, I'm going to come out the other side of this, I'm going to live longer and healthier than any other period of my life, you know, I'm going to, while I'm at it, you know, have a spiritual evolution, because why not, I'll take this time and excuse to do that, you know, I'm going to evolve as a human being, and again, in my case, you know, I've been working so hard for so many years that, you know, and there's, there's my dinger telling me that I've got to go to the next call. But, um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm uh, 15 days away from being off all the post-transplant uh, chemicals, and that's going to feel really, really good. And, and this is going to bring a whole new kind of realm of stuff to what you teach? or You know, I mean, I'm sure it will work its way into my stories because, I mean, the whole picket discipline, you know, I mean... It, I could tell you what I went through was was brutal, and I had a blog, and people were following it, and um, 
you know, it was like a huge uh, first. I, you know, I had sixty six thousand people following it, but then it was like um, one of the gurus that I work with. I mean, I, you know, I work with all these people from all over the world. Was saying, you know, these people are connected to you in an energetic way that's not healthy. I said, well, what do you mean? We said, well, you know, and she said she didn't know I had a blog. She's like, somehow thousands of people are connected to you, and you know, they're worried about you, and all they're worrying is this very negative energy and it's very bad for you and you have to disconnect yourself from that and I'm like well I do have the blog and so I showed her the blog she goes oh my god you got you know so she did this you know mojo thing to me to remove the blockage of them and then I I wrote on the blog hey guys I'm going to discontinue this blog and focus on my health right now and then I went to a smaller one for just the family because and my employees and staff which still turned out to be like 2,200 people because 66,000 was too many. And, you know, it's funny because some of them were, like, so opinionated, you know, like, you should do this, and you're an idiot if you don't do that. And, you know, so it ended up being a place of stress for me. And so then I went to a smaller blog that was just because otherwise, you know, then every day I was getting, you know, 50 texts. How's it going? What's your blood at today? What's your white count? You know, so I had to do some kind of a blog just to not have to communicate to 50 people a day, which would be just my immediate family, you know, it was like, my wife has ten brothers and sisters. I have five. You know, just the immediate family was like you know fifteen people a day. So, you know. All right, my brother. This All right, fun. man. I, I thank you so much. Uh, we're this is JW Nigerian with Chet Holmes. Thank you, Chet. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'll respect your time. Let you go. Um, have a great day. My pleasure, bro. Take care. See you. Thank you for listening to our Made Media Group production of On Purpose Magazine. You can find On Purpose Magazine at onpurposemagazine.com. On Purpose Magazine and JW On Purpose is the property and is a trademark of Made Media Group, and this audio is copyright 2012, and all rights are reserved.